0: I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a book about list making that I think you are really going to enjoy. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 307 Make a List. Crazy week. Crazy week. Really, it was last week. It was a crazy week. And this week has started off with its own set of crazy. But during one of my car rides last week, I listened to a podcast and I planned ahead. I'm so proud of myself. I set up a list, a bunch of shows actually that appeared in one of the pre-list challenge lists, podcasts some of you listen to, so I pulled up a list of a bunch of these new shows that I wanted to try, and the first show I played turned out to be just perfectly matched for me. A great first show to catch on, of all things, graphic recording of which sketchnoting is a big part, and some of you might even view those two terms as synonymous. I kind of do, but there's a little bit of a difference. It was a really interesting show to hear. Someone who has been providing graphic recording services to companies for years. Seems like she said a lot of years, actually. So this interview, which I should probably go back and listen to again, because I know I was a bit caught up in worrying about some other things that day on my drive. But this interview sent me all over the place. I was super excited listening to this. I really was super jazzed about it, just as I am every time I stop and surf sketchnote examples or see awesome articles or posts from Mike Rohde, and he does get around. But the interview also was hard was hard to listen to because there were lots of numbers thrown out. Jaw-dropping numbers. Jaw-dropping numbers. I kid you not. And I remember a time when those numbers might not have surprised me and when they might have seemed somehow in the future or somewhere within the realm of reason. And at this point, they just don't. And so All of these numbers sent me spiraling. They really did, just a little bit. Those numbers made my eyes sting. I'm not going to dwell on that today. I'm not going to dwell on that today, but there's definitely something here in this idea of recording, of sketchnoting. I keep coming back to it. I keep coming back to it on the show. keep talking about it. It hasn't even been a year since I first understood that this is a thing. It has been a thing for a long time, and is a beautiful thing. It is a thing that some people do beautifully. And that some people do as a life path. And a life path with a lot of digits. A lot of digits. It's true, apparently. So it is a thing. Sketch noting this thing, this idea, just won't let me go. Even though so far, A, my efforts and attempts have been pretty awful, And B, I think maybe I just don't have this skill set yet. I keep giving myself that yet. Because I have some hope that this is something I could develop. That a real can-do, practice-hard, try-hard mentality might bring something about. And C, I haven't given it a lot of time or practice Just a lot of wanting and wishing. And I know better than that. I do. I know better than that. I know that wanting and wishing isn't going to result in skill or beautiful sketchnotes or the kinds of pages I want or a path. And all year I've had goals and set up tasks and put steps in place thinking that I would really proactively make this happen. And I'm just not following through. I definitely am thinking right now about how May and June and July will unfold, about how I'm going to handle index cards this year. There are a number of things I could do. And every time I hit upon something that I really want to do more of, I think maybe I will focus May and June and July that way with index cards. No decisions yet. But what I think I will be doing differently this year is not doing my daily drawing as an ICAD piece. And that will be a big change for me. I haven't committed. I don't know that even I can kind of deal with myself if I make that decision. So I might change my mind. I have always done drawings for ICAD and I might just not do that this year. I might be too lazy to iron out doing something different. That might be the one way that I just roll right on into what I always do. But it is in my head That I need and want to make a change this year with how I inhabit and embody ICAD. Because I want to keep doing my in-depth daily pen work, my drawings. And I don't want to rein those in at 4 by 6 I did that last year. And I think my portraits right now just need space. So I want to keep doing my daily work and also do ICAD. Have it be the kind of other, the tag along, rather than my primary. So they might just not be the same thing. I'm still thinking about it. It was a good interview. It was a good podcast to listen to. I am downloading lots of creative type shows, looking for something. And I always suggest you do the same. And I will name and link this. I will. I want to take another listen first. One when I am not so worked up about other things. I think though that this interview is one in which timers came up. I think it was all the same show. It really was a good show. Using timers as a way of focusing, a way of helping yourself get more done. And I've done this a little bit. I know some of you do this often. I know some of you have talked about this being a strategy that you use. And that day in the car. I was all jazzed up about sketchnoting and then I was all jazzed up about timers. So jazzed up all around. There are two realities at play in our ability to get things done. How efficient and focused we are. And number two, how long things actually take. This micro list, this one 2 led me down a path of thought and mapping that I think is important. And I was going to put it all in here. But I yanked it out because if I talk about it now, I won't get to the list book today. I won't get to the list book in April. And that would just be sad. That would be wrong to not get to this list book before the list challenge ends. So I'm going to push off this discussion I think I want to talk through about time and talk about this list book, which may be the best list book I've ever picked up. The list challenge will be wrapping up in a few days and given my current inability to do much podcast work during the week and given some things that are happening this week, I don't know if this show will really get out before the tail end of April, but the list challenge will be wrapping up and as I'm recording, we still have about a week left. It has gone quickly and the lists have been great. And I so appreciate those of you in the CMP list group at Facebook. There has been wonderful sharing of things that are not always easy, things that are sometimes hard or sometimes uncomfortable or sometimes painful or raw or honest or just vulnerable, personal, a little bit private, a little bit awkward, maybe sometimes just beautiful and sometimes insightful and sometimes hopeful and wise philosophical true there has been a lot of support and there has been an inspiring camaraderie overall the group is really small but i am so happy that this group exists the people trusted me and each other and jumped in to make and share lists it has been really amazing and i will be sorry to see it end so I want to mention two books today and one is on lists and one is not on lists but it kind of involves lists maybe just a little bit. The first one is one that I've referenced several times now in the daily list prompt emails. And even if you're not doing the list challenge, this book review is still for you. I just wanted to talk about it in the context of this month when so many people are working on lists. I found this book after the challenge started. And I had this immediate, this is the list book sensation. I really did. This book is called Make a List, How a Simple Practice Can Change Our Lives and Open Our Hearts by Marilyn McIntyre. And this is a 2018 release. So once again, we are hitting something new here. It's like uncharted territory on the CMP to have books that are even relatively new. And this is in this year. So those of you who have been making lists, I just know you're going to like this one. You will also, I think, like and respond to the way McIntyre writes. There are lots of little bits of wisdom and quotables that I wanted to get down as I was going through this book, especially in the early chapters. Now, there is a difference in how a book like this works and how something like the list challenge works. And I think Part of that difference is specificity. So, I think you'll pick this book up and see the kinds of lists that she recommends, and you will immediately feel the difference. A group challenge requires a bit more generalization. Not every topic will hit home for every person. And because we are doing it and sharing and putting this out there and having one challenge every day that everyone responds to loosely, maybe taking it one direction or another. But because we're doing that, we tend to fall on the side of general. The more general the topics are, the better. The more chance that there is a way it will work for you. But if you don't watch TV or don't keep mementos, then even some of the challenges that I think of as fairly broad and fairly concrete, may seem less relevant for you. Finding ways to do those lists is still possible. And that is, in fact, what I suggest when someone says, well, I don't do that. Making a list of why or when or how about back then or maybe. There are reasons that you don't do something. And listing those can be equally important and interesting and insightful. Worth it. But in this book, you might not find a suggestion to list your favorite TV shows but instead a suggestion to list the TV shows you watch when you are feeling a certain way, or list the TV shows you watched during college. And those are not great examples. I don't think she even deals with something as lightweight as TV shows, but it's an example of specificity. When I approached TV shows in this month's list challenge, I didn't write down every TV show I ever watched, but ones that I think i will watch again series specifically that i think i will watch again that i feel sure that if there is time in my life i will circle back around and watch again some of them i have already watched again some of them i might have even watched more than once and will definitely do again we've all got our comfort food even when it comes to tv if we're tv watchers so i limited myself in one way But even so, it was still a big list. I've seen a lot of good TV. I could have gone narrow and done a list of shows I've watched with Matthew. Because probably the best TV watching I have ever done has been in the last two to three years with Matthew as we've cycled through series after series after series. And I've gotten a lot of drawing done as this new shared time coalesced into something routine and reliable a part of my day that I have come to count on and really enjoy. Specificity. It is one way to making a list. And if you adopt a list-making habit and practice that you sustain over a long period of time, the more specific and the more focused your lists are, the more room you have for other lists. Because instead of dumping everything into one broader list, you'll be making narrower lists, but they're topics that might only work for you. That is why there's a difference between the general list challenge, the public list challenge, and what you might do if you take a book like this and you work through it on your own and you start coming up with your own lists, lists that are relevant to you and your life. And I think there's a place for both of these things. There is real beauty in this book. Here's an overview from the table of contents. Part one, why make a list? And the reasons that are covered in this chapter or in this part include to discover subtle layers of feeling, to name what you want, to clarify your concerns, to decide what to let go of, to help dispel a few fears, to claim what gives you joy, to find out what you still have to learn, to put new words to old experiences, to get at the questions behind the questions to find out who's inside, to play with possibilities, to identify complicating factors, to map the middle ground, to explore implications, to connect the dots, to get to your learning edge, to notice what you might have missed, to experience deep attention, to enjoy complete permission. That's a pretty exciting list in and of itself. That is a really nice list. Part two is the way of the list maker. And this gets into some of the philosophy of list making. These are types of lists, to-do lists, lists that help you learn or do anything, lists that help you clarify values. Those are things like your favorites. There are word lists, lists that help you deal with sadness or maybe something else, regret, longing, love, lists that become poems lists that become prayers, lists that she calls a long second look, lists that teach you how to look again, on and on and on. The section has a bunch more types of lists. And then part three is playlists. And then the appendix has some examples of her own lists. In the intro, she dives right in. There's good meat in this intro and you know I love an intro. Quote, what I've also discovered about lists is that every time I make one, I learn something. Things come up. Sometimes it seems that the less I plan or try to foresee what might belong on a list, the more I find out. So I just start in. Things to do before the weekend. Possible blog topics. People to get back to. Nagging anxieties. Things I'm grateful for. If I stay with it long enough to get beyond the obvious, buy the groceries, return the phone call, check email, get the oil changed, something not so obvious occurs. And the list shifts from list to something more. When you make a list, if you stay with it and take it slowly, take it seriously but playfully, give yourself plenty of permission to put down whatever comes up, you begin to clarify your values, your concerns, the direction your life is taking, your relationship to your inner voice, your humor, your secrets. You discover the larger things that lists can reveal. She talks about lists as mirrors, a way of learning, a way of listening, a way of loving, a way of letting go. So many things in the opening pages that I wanted to highlight or write down or make a note of. I love this passage, quote, list making slows you down. You may find your pen hovering in the air above the page, Were your fingers resting before returning to the keyboard as you ponder what you just put down? You hadn't realized you felt that way. You hadn't known what rush of memory a particular word would trigger, perhaps a well-concealed wistfulness about a road not taken, or an edgy uncertainty about something you haven't fully faced, or an unexpected delight that motivates you to explore further something you may have been postponing for a more opportune time. This may be that time. End quote. Throughout the book, after discussion of whatever angle she's talking about, she often provides a list and then suggests some lists to try. There is a poignant section on lists and naming of things you want, an awareness of change and age, too, of circumstance and time, both of which I appreciated. She offers a short list what I want now, quiet companionship, good walking shoes. Candlelight every evening, good coffee every morning, time to read and reread, energy to care for those who need my care, podcasts worth pondering, suppers and song with people I love. And then she suggests some lists to try things I've begun wanting recently, things I've wanted for the last five minutes, things I've wanted for more than five years, things I want for the next generation things I'd like to stop wanting. So that's a really good example of specificity, not just things you want or not just things you wish for, at least qualifying it with time, things you want right now or things you want next year. That's a really good example of the way this book works and the kinds of lists that she talks about. And you may find, if you look at this book, that some of the lists that you may have done in April as part of the challenge Become jumping off points for other lists that branch out from these larger lists and allow you to delve a little more deeply in certain angles or nuances of some of the lists that we did. The section on joy had real resonance for me. Her list was poignant, it's very, very nicely done. A list in the moment, she says. And she writes on this list what gives me joy? Conversation with those I love. Early morning light, walks by water, river, lake, or ocean, flute, fiddle, and drums, deep quiet, the teaching that comes in dreams, writing time, grace, intelligence, and good humor, stories, popcorn, and candlelight. And you see in that kind of list the kind of poetry that a list can have. And that's something that I've been talking about all along because lists are in and of themselves a very interesting form, and a very poetic form. There can be real beauty in this pared-down approach to sequencing and narrative, to listing, to naming. She says, quote, I notice that in writing down what gives me joy, I become aware of how many things actually do. If we think about it, we realize we could make many lists about joy. We could name each person we cherish, each author who has awakened our imagination, each activity that stirs the senses or stretches the mind or gives us practice in some life skill we're still learning, we may begin to see how joy moves among ordinary things like a breeze. We may also see how joy can be a habit of mind. The more we see how it occurs in the midst of ordinary moments on ordinary days, the more likely we are to recognize how utterly available it is just on the other side of the veil, even in the darkest of times. And we do live in dark times. Finding what gives us joy and naming it is a simple but significant way of keeping joy alive and a reminder every day to give thanks. End quote. And it is true, some of these lists, you start making them, and you realize you could keep going on and on, and the lists begin to fuel themselves. A gratitude list works that way for very many people a list of what gives you joy, or the one we did was things that make you smile. It is the kind of list you could keep as a running list, a perpetual list. It could be the list that is the narrative and the journal of your days as they unfold. And it can be a really empowering list. It can give you balance. It can give you perspective. It can make you see that positive angle, that positive thread. And when it's hard to see that thread, you'll have that list to look back on. There's a section on life review, on telling our stories, a recognition that the past keeps changing. I really liked that. In a lot of ways, the way she talks about lists is a very writerly approach to list making. There's something here that I really latch onto in terms of writing and capturing and telling and sharing and structuring Something here was just so wonderful to see. She says, quote, our relationship to our stories, our understanding of what moments mattered and why keeps shifting as we learn new lessons and age offers altered perspectives, end quote. And I really appreciate that because I think some of these lists you can make today and you can make next year and you may have a different perspective and different things may make your list. She says, quote, and our own lives, prosaic as they may sometimes seem, turn out to be as full of color and light as prisms, because our cracked and broken stories are, in fact, where the light gets in. End quote. You may or may not find that the lists that she suggests are ones you want to write. That's true. That's a simple reality. And that is maybe the risk of looking at a book like this. But... I think you will be inspired by how she talks about lists. Her ideas for lists might be too specific or too narrow, but they might spark in you an awareness of other lists that might fit you, that might offer insight or peace or help you deal with something that's going on or give you a new way to think about documenting and recording your day to day. Those of you who are finishing up the list exchange, I hope you decide to go on to keep making lists definitely the 30 we've done just taps at the surface of what you can do. I hope you consider ways in which lists may be helpful too, both a respite and a fulcrum. And I think you might like the way this book talks about list making. I think all of you might like it and the power and potential that such a practice may hold. Definitely check your library. It should be a new book in most places so that might up your odds of finding it. Take a look, check it out, get inspired, and make a list. Make a list of what you think about this book. The other book I want to talk about just quickly is a book for teens. It's targeted at teens. It's written for teens. And not only for teens, it's written for girls. And yes, I know I am far too old to be getting my life lessons from a self-help book for teens. I know, I totally know, and I promise I'm not doing that. But I pulled this one and another similar book off the YA shelves recently. And when I sat down and took a look, it was pretty interesting. The title is Doable, The Girl's Guide to Accomplishing Just About Anything by Deborah Reber. I'm not suggesting you run by this, but if your library has it, take a look. And if you have tweens or teens, especially take a look. I actually pulled both of these partly because of my interest in planning and the community's interest in planning, but also because I do have two teens. So the other one that I pulled is about personality profiles and procrastination. So this one, the writing is fresh, it's accessible, it hits the right notes. There's a steady infusion of pop culture and names that make the book really relatable There are examples of teens in situations and scenarios that make sense, that are engaging, that I think will be interesting and inspiring and exciting for the target audience. The book is a guide to understanding how to get things done, how to set goals that make sense, how to identify the parts, the how and the why, and how to tackle a project on the way to meeting a goal. There was some interesting perspective in this book about setting goals, maybe a different approach in some ways than what I typically do or how you make goals. Ultimately, the book breaks things down into an eight step plan for making anything doable. And those eight steps are define your to do, which includes what and very importantly, why. Number two, detail the little tasks. Three, defend against obstacles. Four, develop support systems. Five, determine what success looks like six, do the work, seven, deal with setbacks, and eight, deliver the goods. One example on painting a room went from a too vague list of a three-step process to a dizzying 32-step to-do list. So I give you that just as a caveat. You may think there is some middle ground here. I think there probably is. My fear is always that I'll be making the to-do list for weeks instead of making headway on the tasks. So I would need some middle ground. There's a balance. There's a balance to be sought and found. But the information in this book is really helpful. I think it was clarifying. It's interesting. I can imagine for a teen that this would be really inspiring and useful information you can put into action. Pick a goal, set a goal, make a list, get started. Start checking things off. You'll find some mind mapping in here, some personality discussion. She mentions Gretchen Rubin's personality categories, but she has her own system in this book, 16 styles to help girls determine the best way to do their work. She calls it your doable style. And these types are summarized in the book. And then she has some tips for each type and you self-identify based on the descriptions. The types include the short spurter, Long stretcher, deep focuser, the easily distracted, the ramper-upper, the cliff diver, the shooting star, the deadline-chaser, the collaborator, the solo warrior, the accountability seeker, the scheduler, the reward junkie, intrinsically motivated. And she says that girls reading the book might identify with several of these. They overlap, they blend, etc. So it's an interesting approach. One of the important takeaways in this book, interestingly enough, is about specificity. And that is also what I said about the list book. But in this book, specificity is about making sure that you are first identifying why you have a certain goal, and then also identifying what steps you need to take and what success will look like. What is the desired outcome? So not just making a list and blindly doing a bunch of tasks, knowing what your goal is, why you're setting this goal, what you need to do, and how you're going to know you did it. What does it look like when you're done? What have you achieved? What's the marker? What does success look like? And I wish maybe I'd read something like this, I don't know, 30, 35 years ago. I think it's an interesting book to look at. Check it out. See if you have a library copy. Definitely, if you can find that library copy, share it with your teens. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. Interestingly enough, when I talk about books, the shows end up longer than I expect. So that is it for today. That's it for episode 307. I am sliding things in here as best I can. I am Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Show notes will be available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as Amy. that's O-A-M-Y, O-A-M-Y. And I am sharing my daily drawings there as well as my 100-day project. I am not sharing my 100-day project daily, even though I'm working on it daily. But I am sharing both things there. And I hope you will look me up and check me out. Thank you to those of you who support the CMP through any method, including those of you at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone. End of April, it's going to be here. Get your trackers going. If you're going to track for May, set it up. Do it in advance. Give it a try. It doesn't matter if you didn't succeed in April or if you've never done it before. You start over in May and go ahead and get that ready. You'll enjoy giving it a try. You may find it's not for you, but you might find that it really helps you get things done. Have a good week, everyone.